Welcome back to Book Talk. I'm Lindsay Frail, and today I'll be interviewing author Diane Hatz about her debut novel, Rock Gods and Messy Monsters. Diane has experience in major and independent record labels, band management, freelance music publicity, and co-founded The Relay, a fanzine dedicated to The Who, now housed in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She also has attended quite a repertoire of concerts, which we will eagerly discuss later. Now I am pleased to welcome Diane Hatz to Book Talk, where we will delve into a rock and roll novel and discuss all things rock stars. Welcome, Diane. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm very excited to talk to you. So my first question is, when I was reading your biography, I was very eager and intrigued by you. So you have quite the resume that has taken you on many life paths, it seems. So I'm curious how you came to the place of writing a novel and was this always a dream for you? Yes. So when I was 15 years old, way back then, one took what were called the PSATs, which were pre-SAT standardized tests. And my mother was like, what do you want to do with your life? Because college. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I want to be a writer or philosopher. And she said, you'll wash dishes for the rest of your life. So I was encouraged to get a degree in business, um, but I ended up finding a master's degree in creative writing. So I've wanted to write since age 15, and I'm not young anymore. Well, look, and you're doing it now, so that's all that matters. Yes, yes. Um, well, and that's, you know what, I have to say, um, Elizabeth Sprout, um, was it Deborah Gamis, Lessons in Chemistry, and Delia yep. Owens, I think they're all in their 60s and it's yep. their first novels. And look at them. They're all, you got, you're in good company. Yes. Yes. So this is the one career that people get better at as they get older. A lot of careers, you sort of age out, you sort of age into writing or one ages into writing. Sure. So what, what, like at your, this point in your life, what inspired you to write the novel? Like, were you at a, where you just feel like you need to do something more or what was like the pushing block? So I'm, probably a little atypical. I wrote this book. I think I started it in the nineties while I was working in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And I went through the usual round of trying to get a traditional publisher and an agent and was devastated by the rejections. Like one sent me this form letter with boxes and one of the ticks said, just give up writing. And that's the one they checked. And I'm like, F you. Right. So I, to prove to myself in 2008, I just threw it up on Amazon as Rock Gods of Oct, didn't promote it, nothing. Mm. Fast forward 20 years to just a couple of years ago, and someone from my early days in New York City got in touch and said, oh my God, I found your book. And I just clo- I just like shut the cover and finished it. And I just quit my job and you have it all wrong. This is not about the music industry. It's mm. set in the music industry, but this is about being, you know, kept down. It's about treatment of women. And she's like, I'm going off and I'm starting my own business. So that was so inspiring mm-hmm. that at the same time, COVID, mm-hmm. I had lost my nonprofit. My whole career had tanked, not tanked, but mm-hmm. just, I needed a life reset. I also had a massive birthday where one goes, Oh, I don't have that much time left. And mm-hmm. there's a beauty to getting a little older because you do start to appreciate everything. So with all that, I decided to rename it Rock Gods and Messy Monsters. And I did a little edit and I relaunched it. And then after I did that, I'm like, you know what? I'm jumping in head first. And I fortunately had naively thought I could save up 
to buy a place in New York city. I lived in Manhattan for 30 years. Okay. And so I had saved quite a bit of money. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Big birthday. I am taking that mm-hmm. money. I'm going on sabbatical, self-funding mm-hmm. my new writing career. And I have spent the last year, year and a half learning indie publishing and marketing, which is way more complicated than people realize. Sure. I believe it. Yep. Um, very cool. So based on your description and reviews of rock odds and messy monsters, the novel seems like a metaphorical rock and roll adventure of fun. So can you describe the moment that you came up with the concept of this novel? Oh, um, so just to, just to preface a little, um, I went, I lived in London for three and a half years, got my master's degree, came back, finished my thesis and I, and it was in creative writing. So I wrote the worst book ever known to mankind. It will never see the light of day, but I got my degree. And then I'm like, oh, I'll work in the music industry while I write books. Cause I'm realistic enough back then. I was realistic enough to know that making a living off just writing as a debut mm-hmm. beginning novelist is almost impossible. So yeah. moved to New York, landed my dream job at this record company called Island Records, which is now merged. It was independent still at the time, like, you know, it's six o'clock people would party. It was, it was stereotypical old school rock and roll, but got laid off, which happens to everyone in in creative industry. Fast forward, did a bunch of stuff, like worked at an indie label, managed a band, blah, blah, blah. But then I ended up in a corporate record company, a very large record company that had just been bought out by a foreign non-music company. And they wanted to introduce new technology, which I'm grateful to say failed. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, they spent billions, but mm-hmm. I was working for a boss who would call me into his office and he would pound on his desk. He'd make me shut the door. He'd pound it and he'd scream at me. And he had this vein that would pulsate. Mm-hmm. And one day I just saw it explode. <laughs> so the, the inspiration basically came from the fact that I lived the book, mm-hmm. but it was, there were parts of the way I was treated that were traumatizing. And I think I just took the trauma and turned it to humor. Like it was my way of staying sane and trying to heal. Mm -hmm. So the book is based on reality, but like I had aliens buy a major record company because foreign companies were buying out us record labels. Mm -hmm. And back in the seventies were like the era I grew up in. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a child of the sixties, but the seventies when I got into music and rock and roll was serious business. And when foreign companies started buying out mm-hmm. the U.S. record companies, like what? So that's sort of how the book came about. Um, and I was not prepared for how lower, le- I don't want to say lower level, but how support staff are treated in many industries. And I wasn't the only one, but I had an extremely abusive boss. I mean, I read a report, I think it's just like a year ago, like 40%. And I think this was global, 40% of workplaces have some type of violence still women are still treated, you know, a second class in a lot of places. There's so much that goes on. So this book really is a satirical social commentary mm-hmm. on that. Very interesting. That goes perfectly into my next question, which is in the description of the novel, you mentioned how this novel is a thought provoking female narrative and social commentary on the corporate role. So can you talk more about the significance of this and the social impact it discusses and kind of what your goal of writing it was? So 
when I wrote it, I will be honest, I didn't have a goal except to write a book. And when it came out and I'm in the editing, I'm like, oh, there is actually a message in here. I think if I have a hope, it's that people who read it, who are or have been in situations where they were traumatized, made to feel less than, were not able to express themselves as they are, understand that this is very common and it's not them, that it's the boss and that in many instances, there are not um, avenues to go to, to get help. Like, like I, the only reason I got out of the job I was in was I threatened to sue because I had documented things this person had done. And I said, I'm suing you. Once I brought, I was, went to EEO and I'm bawling, I'm having a breakdown, you know, and they took it seriously because I said I had documentation Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't show it to them but I had two job offers the next day because what was happening is this boss would, he was very powerful in the company. So people would call him to get his approval to hire, to take me away. And he would refuse, but he would fire me and send me to personnel. And they would send me back up saying, you have to have it in writing. So he would then give me more work. And this went on like for a few years. Wow. So that's why the book's so crazy. (laughs) And it's real life. Like it's, it's that's, yeah. that's the most insane part. So, yeah. well, then I, again, another question kind of off of that is you're able to tackle such important topics, such as misogyny in a fun, unique way. So how do you manage to walk this line between very serious stuff, but also making it fun and adventure-like? I think just because I lived it yeah. and no one is going to get me down. And I think yeah. anybody who's going through, I mean, I know some people who I worked with at a at job jobs beyond this, who a bunch of them were all fired and, you know, really traumatized. They banded together and they're, they're doing something about them. Like this, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, you know, the workplace can suck. So I'm all for entrepreneurship. Yep. Whatever anyone's doing, just start your own business. Love it. Love it. Um, so as a debut author, can you give listeners insight into your writing process and kind of where were your highs and lows and your least expected hurdle that you had to go through? So my writing process, I mean, basically every day mm-hmm. um, I get up, meditate yeah. and write. I have a online women's group I'm in, in my, it's, it's national, but it's from 12 to three in my time zones. So like, I'll take a break and then I'll sit there and I'll write the biggest hurdle, not hurdle. So, so what I read, there's two things, two things I read that I refuse to believe that I understand now. One is you'll sell your first book when you publish your third. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand how complicated it is and and how much competition I don't say competition how many other books are out there I don't believe in competition because everybody reads more than one book and people are always getting old enough to want to read books or getting to a point in their life where they want to read books but the other thing that I didn't believe until it happened was getting people to review it Mm -hmm. like you you especially when you're a little older you have a lot of friends and you're like guys just you know, skim it, like just read mm-hmm. the sample. Yep. Like, ah, oh, I mean, it's just tooth and nail. So that, you know, what can you do? It's so I'm really into spirituality. And um, my big thing right now is you work as hard as you can. I'm into law of attraction and manifestation. I think a lot of people have it wrong. Mm-hmm. You work really hard toward your goal, but there's a point where it's out of your control and then you have to let it go. 
Yep. So with like the reviews, I'm now focused on my next book and I've actually, I've started outlining the third book. So I'm still promoting rock odds, but I'm letting it go. Mm-hmm. And then I will, when I have the series done, then I'll really start. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize how challenging it would be and how much there was to learn. I mean, it's, I mean, that, and that's why, you know, I'm working with books, go social because what I'm trying to learn is what companies I can hire to help me with which aspects yeah. and then what I can do on my own, because I think it's very difficult to do everything. So you have to balance promoting and marketing yourself with your budget. Yeah. You know, so I'm still figuring that out. I think yeah. by book three, I'll have it down. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so the genre in which you authored is not nearly as broad as, you know, let's say romance, thriller, mystery. So how did you go about writing such a unique concept novel that, you know, again, I guess it is kind of your story. So that may help a little bit, but I guess maybe was it hard to like draw inspiration from other books at that time? Or what was that kind of thought process? Let's just say I still don't know my comp authors, which are comparable yeah. Yeah. books. I I keep hearing right to market, right to market, right to market. I'm not writing to market. I'm writing what's inside me that I need to express. And I hope I connect with other people. But to me, that's art. Mm-hmm. And this might offend people. But if you're just writing to market, then it's a job. It's not mm-hmm. art. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There might be creativity within it, but I don't see it as art. So I'm it fell out of me and and what i have gone through is so surreal that it the book became insane i just got this review i did just get a review um and the person said it's like having ice cream for dinner they're like it's crazy it's wacky i don't understand it but this book is like eating ice cream for dinner and i'm like oh my god that's like the best compliment yeah. ever oh yeah so it is it's 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 just i think I think that people need to be realistic and understand that it it if you're in it for the long haul, it's more than one book, and that if you truly need to write because it's in your DNA, you need to write what comes out of you, not try to force something to make money. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. I love it. Um, so what is the significance of the setting in this book? So it's a 1990s New York music scene. And do you think this story could be told within a different setting? Yeah, I think it could be told in many large corporations today. One of the reasons I republished it is a couple of people said this is still totally relevant, even post Me Too. This was written pre Me Too. Yeah, sure. But even post Me Too, the same kind of abuse. I mean, I, I just was at a meeting, you know, and, and, confounds me i don't want to say it confounds me i i forgot how people can just defer to um white males yeah. i don't want to get into rate you know gender and all that but how and i was raised to defer to men i mean mm-hmm. that's just the era i was brought up in so it just still surprises me that that's still as prevalent as it is so the book is relevant yeah anybody who's worked in a situation where they have had an abusive boss or have felt put down can relate to the book if they're okay with blood vessel explosions and aliens and, you know that's it's so it's interesting to me because it feels like we've made so much progress on the outside but again when you're living it and you're in the world it's it feels awfully different which is still very 
a lot of steps to be made still, obviously. Yes. And I think we have made progress. Mm -hmm. It's just not um, an issue. And don't get me started, but my latest one, because I am older now, is ageism. Ageism ageism is not discussed. It is so prevalent. Mm -hmm. Getting someone to really take you seriously is difficult. And, And I'm not saying everywhere. There are people who are working on it, but I, I don't know. Like, you know, you think somebody in their sixties and seventies has a lifetime of knowledge that they can impart to someone else. And it's, yeah. it's a, it's a real challenge. So being a female, mm-hmm. I actually read that women over 45 during the pandemic, when they had all those job openings and, yeah. and people were desperate, women still were not finding work. Women over 45, mm-hmm we're having just as much difficulty finding it. And I'm not talking like bagging groceries. Yes, of course. That type of hourly, they will hire anyone, but I'm talking like in your profession, what you used to do, Mm -hmm. women were not being hired. It's crazy. So who do you really hope reads this novel? So I have been told, and and I do agree, and I hope this is true, that professional women who love sci-fi and fantasy will love this book because they'll understand the writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was told they're on LinkedIn. I don't even know how to promote a book on LinkedIn. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not something people normally do. So that is what I will be trying Mm -hmm. to do. And, you know, and, and I, and I don't want to say this is just a male female thing that females are the ones that are abused in my third book. Mm -hmm. I think he's in my second book too. There's five assistants, one of five, two of five, three of five. They're all males because me too. You know, the boss doesn't want to know who they are. They're treated horribly. So it's mm-hmm. really the support staff sure. of any gender. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a woman, I am of the belief. Like when I first started writing, they were like, don't write about yourself. I'm like, what else can you do but write yeah. about yourself? So because I'm a woman, you know, my characters are based around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And now you've talked about you're writing a sequel and then a third book. So can you give the listeners a little teaser on what to expect? So I assume it's a different protagonist in these books. It's Is it a different yes. storyline kind of what's going on? Oh, no, on? not protagonist. So Alex, it's Alex 20 years later. So Alex is the okay. main character in Rock Gods. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, she'd broken up with Skeeter, who at the end of the, oh, sure, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, um, so she's broken up with the love of her life, ended up back in New York, had an abusive relationship, just who he happened to be her boss. So she gets fired. The book opens with her being fired. Um, and it's her journey toward finding herself and happiness. That's the Mm -hmm. overarching message of the whole series. But the antagonist is a billionaire who has, um, anal expulsion issues okay which which i hope is funny but anyway it's a billionaire spirits that come out Mm -hmm. from the universe and alex a cross-country trip and then what happens to the three of them together fascinating yeah, I don't want to give anything away. Like, I'm afraid I'm gonna. I don't want. No, to that was a. Per- I I'm very intrigued. Now, I'm, I where did your have you always loved sci-fi and science fiction and these kind of like crazy things, or was this like, what's the I'm story behind that? I have like I loved and still love Star Trek. Okay, and like Harry Potter. So mm. when I went through all the rejections and I'd sort of basically given up writing, I, mean, I became a nationally recognized sustainable food advocate. Um, Harry Potter came out Mm -hmm. and I read the first book 
it reignited my joy in writing because it's so simple, but so evocative and just so, mm -hmm. so JK Rowling is like an idol. I'm sure she is to so many people, but she inspired me to want to write again. And it wasn't until the other friend told me that rock gods, the original version had inspired her that I thought, Oh, I can just republish rock mm -hmm. gods. So interesting. What a cool, what a cool time of events. I mean, so, and, Oh yeah, yeah. So aside, I just, just yeah. in book, the book coming out, mm -hmm. I have nods to sci-fi all throughout. So I'm hoping someone might pick up on it, but if you don't know, like Lord of the Rings, you're not going to, you'll sure. just read it as a book, but if you're, so I love sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. I'm not hard sci-fi. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I'm not, mm, my book is, it's more satire. Okay. But I can't believe like the third book deals with wars, AI and people downloading consciousness into computers. And, and I don't know anything about this stuff. It's just what's coming out of me. <laughs> so it's, that's, it sounds amazing. I mean, just so fun. I'm very, yeah, I'm very intrigued. Um, so as someone who has kind of worked in the rock star industry, do you have any crazy inside stories you can kind of share and how would you give it, describe a glimpse into that world, which I think is so foreign to so many people. Is it like what we see on TV? Oh, it's very cleaned up on TV. Okay. So there is the rock and roll part. And this is the 90s when it was crazier because mm -hmm. it's a lot more corporate now. It yeah. was all the cliches. It was fun. There were a lot of fun times with the people who I was working with. There was, um, you know, a lot of men in corner offices who I don't even think ever listened to the radio growing up. I mean, I can't tell you the number of artists we were hauled into a studio to listen to their songs. And, and we're, you know, I'm in my twenties and we're, my friends and I were all like, man, this sucks. But <laughs> these people just had no clue, but as to stories, okay. It's going to sound uh, not cliche, but anyway, you got to read the book. That's, okay. that is what I lived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say a lot of the stories are true. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Um, so now I'm very curious about your concert repertoire and you've been to thousands of them, which is amazing to me. So do you have one that stands out to you the most or that you could relive? Yes. 1980, December, 1980. And I can still get emotional over this. Um, John Lennon was murdered and I had tickets for Bruce Springsteen at the spectrum. It was called in Philadelphia the next night. Huh? And I wasn't going to go because I was a huge Lennon fan mm -hmm. and I'm, I think I was like 17 and I hated Bruce Springsteen, but my friend loved him. And I, I will see anything. I mm. still will. I will go to any music, anything. Cause I cannot tell you like Radiohead. Mm -hmm. I thought they were horrible on album. They blew me away when I saw them live. Jeans addiction blew me away. Like I've seen, had I not gone and seen them live, I never would have. So anyway, they came on the radio the next day and they said, um WMMR if you listened to Philly radio mm -hmm. but they came on the radio and they were like you know Springsteen and the band were going to cancel the show but they ended up feeling that Lennon would want the music to carry on so they're going to perform mm -hmm. when I heard that I'm like okay I have to go he, there's a song he has called Jungle Land he jumped up on the piano there's a there's a musical break he started throwing his fist in the air 20,000 people expressing grief over the murder of Lennon and I literally merged with everyone with the 20,000 people, we all became one. And I had the most spiritual religious experience I will probably ever have in my life. 
at a Bruce Springsteen concert up in the bleachers, you know, not in the great seats, but that proved to me that music can heal. Music can change. Music is transformative when it's done right. So to anyone anyone who's never seen Bruce Springsteen, he's still playing. He's on break right now, but highly recommend before he gets too old. Yes. And then the other, the other band. So I did it. I loved the who, Mm -hmm. um, and I do credit my spirituality with Pete Townsend because a lot of people don't know, like Tommy is based on his, his guru, Mayor Baba, and he was very into Eastern religious, but I, that became a little too much. Like I just followed them and, and I wanted to be taken seriously. So I started a fancy and I wanted to write. So I started a fanzine on them. So I have a lot of who stories that I can't share. <laughs> we love that. Um, do you have your next concert already lined up and which one is it? I don't, you know what? I pulled everything back. Mm-hmm. I had debate on seeing Springsteen. He um, had to take a break for the rest of the year, but I live in New Mexico now in the desert. Okay. So it's not like New York city where I can just hop on a subway and go to a show. It's, mm-hmm paying for a hotel like i have to drive to denver basically to see anything so um and i'm focused on me and i don't mean that selfishly but Mm -hmm. my writing career and getting my business off the ground Mm -hmm. is because what i do need to do more and it's a goal is to put on music like i still you can't really see my albums i down here i still have one row of albums i've kept Mm -hmm. the record players piece of crap but to put on music and if people don't know this albums vinyl Mm -hmm. um has a pitch in it that cds and spotify and all the streaming stuff don't have there is something um just on a energetic level that you do get from an album so to put on one of my old rock and roll albums and just dance Mm, i love that need more dancing the world needs more dancing i could not agree more with that i love that um and then i kind of one of my favorite questions to ask could you see your novel i'm sure you could being turned into a movie and kind of do you picture what it would look like on the big screen or do you kind of want it to stay in this novel world so my tagline is the book is everything everywhere all at once meets the hitchhiker guides to the galaxy in a 1990s record company i could see um an apple tv because i think severance is just one of the most creative shows that has been put yeah that just blew me away Mm -hmm. so apple tv has um a creative mind but i think i mean dare i even mention the avengers you know like like a like a like if i had a dream it would be to have an avengers type series but maybe so either movies like that, because I don't think you could get this all out in one book. There's so much going on or yeah, one you movie. Mean, like you have to create a universe. Yes. So I, at this mm-hmm. point with the other two books, I think I could get like 10 books. There's so many different things that I've started. Yeah. Yeah. There's Because we're in demen- other dimensions and we've got AI and we've got, I don't know. I don't you know what I'm doing. All over the place in the best way. Yeah, my biggest concern is, you know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I'm a huge, I hate to say sci-fi because people who are really into sci-fi are, but I worry that I'm going to get slammed at some point um, because I know with Star Trek, people Mm -hmm. have gone through and they look at everything scientifically. So I'm trying to be as real, like in Mm -hmm. book two, there's a, there's a scene where they're 
driving cross country and one of my beta readers lives in Oklahoma. She's mm-hmm. like, oh no, 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 there's no rest stops on 44. <laughs> You've got to, you know, I know. So I spent like days figuring out Google Earth thing. And that's, I think, to write a book, even a satire, surreal fiction, yeah. one needs to be as realistic as possible. Sure. Sure. Very interesting. And I'm seeing the book right behind you. And I'm curious, what kind of inspired that cover? Did you give up creative freedom? Like, did you send it out or is that how you picture the protagonist? So if you can't tell her, her sunglasses are albums, the records. Oh, they're cool. Yeah. You probably can't see. From. So I, I hired a professional. I had um yeah. a friend did it. And I went to a publishing conference and I talked to three separate book marketing experts, mm-hmm. completely independent of each other said, you got to change cover. Mm-hmm. So this is the redesigned cover. And then I, I also kept coming across, you just read over and over the most important thing is your book cover. There are right. like other three things. And, and someone I just heard this weekend, I, I watched a webinar, they're like your book cover is number one. Mm-hmm. So this cover, when you see it on Amazon sort of sticks out. Very. That's what I want. Yeah. yeah I, know, I just love it. I remember seeing it for the first time. It's like, that's incredible. So I just did a book suite. If you, yeah. It's like a promo and they put all books. So I did sci-fi category because I keep being told it's humor sci-fi, which, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a photo of like the 40 books that were part of it. And mine just sticks so, out. It sticks out. No, it does. No, it really does. So, but in the best way, like it catches you and it's, intri- I'm, I was just very intrigued by it. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I think that's um, a yeah. Yeah, it's it I mean I'm very appreciative of the the person who did the original cover and the cover the original cover did really encapsulate the book but it was very gory and it just wasn't I didn't understand that when you do a book cover it has to fit within the genre it has to have at least some of current trends for people to be interested to click on it. Yeah. And my book just scared people. So there was a lot of blood in it. And, oh, yeah. okay. Yes. Well, I like what I'm looking at now. So I think you did. Thank that was, you. That was good. Yes. And then what are you currently reading now, Diane? I'm not. So because I'm working on three books, yeah. I started, and I know this has been out for a while, Clara and the Sun. Have you read Oh, yeah. It? Yes. I've never read it, but I've heard of it. Yep. Oh, it was beautiful, but mm-hmm. I don't want to be subconsciously influenced Sure. by anybody else's writing mm-hmm. and I'm on a hard like a hard stop with an editor for book two so sure. yeah you're just right you're oh, wait. I'm reading Diane Hatz right now yeah uh, and that's all that there you go and then we, I feel like we can end on that no my gosh well Diane it was such a pleasure having you I've learned so much and just very intrigued by it all and I can't wait to read book one, book two, book three, and hopefully the seven other that you will add to your universe of rock God. So if you have anything else to say, I will say goodbye to you now. And it was so great hearing from you. That's it. If anybody's interested, rockgodsandmessymonsters.com I, is yes. my website. You can get everything I, you want to know about me and the book and how to get it and read reviews. Mm-hmm. It's just rockgodsandmessymonsters.com. And thank you, Lindsay, for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. That was Diane Hatz and her novel, Rock Gods and Messy Monsters, which is available to order on Amazon or on her website. Check out Book Talk's other interviews and episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until then, cheers.